Welcome back to a brand new episode of League of Legends. And the World Cup has been so special with many exciting matches, stars on display. But as an added side note, one awesome thing about the World Cup is bringing additional retired players here to Malaysia and just sitting down and having a casual conversation with them, which is exactly what League of Legends is. So to wrap up our World Cup series, we've got Paulo Ferreira, former Chelsea, Porto, Portuguese international. Uh, how's life? How are you enjoying Malaysia first and foremost? No, it's really nice. You know, it's my, my first time, I, my third time here. So I came once with, uh, with Chelsea and then the second time for the Laureus. Nice event and, um, and this is my third time. You know, really, really good. Always a pleasure to come, uh, you know, to Malaysia and, uh, and to see how, how people are really friendly and, and how much they love also football. And they, they still know you, so that's the that's quite interesting and funny. You that's know, because you don't yeah. age. Yeah. That's because you look almost, yeah. ex the hair's the same. You look exactly as you did, even though you've been retired now for mm. 10 years and counting. But, I mean, one thing I've, I've learned from speaking to footballers, retired footballers, is when they come here or to any country or any city for pre-season, you don't really get to see the city because it's hotel, training, food, sleep, hotel, mm. training. But now you actually get to experience our country, so I'm happy that you're here. No, it's 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 nice, you know. Like obviously, when you came uh, in preseason, it's always different, you know. So you came with that um, proposed just to, you know, to get ready, prepare for the for a tough season that comes, which is in this case was the, the Premier League. But you always find like a like a day, an afternoon, or something off where you could uh, go out, enjoy a little bit the city, you know well and uh, and explore so which sometimes it's good just to kind of switch off a little bit mm. and uh, and just know the city go have some food outside of the of the hotel and um, and, and enjoy a little bit yeah but obviously now that that you stop playing it's uh, then it's, it's totally different so you can come with a little bit more time and uh, and just enjoy but but sometimes you know pre-season it helps um, going to different country cities and um, and just have a, you know, like just just see a little bit and sample it, and um, and may, and then you know, like uh, go back home and um, and organize because you know that place where you went, you found quite interesting and you and you always think maybe I'll come on holiday yeah. and enjoy a little bit more the more this place. So that's normally what I, I used to do. I've just realized something talking to you. I completely mm. forgot about this. I never told you, but years ago, I think in. Mm. 2010, something, mm. 2011, 2012, maybe latest. Uh, some of my friends went on a off-season break. Some of my colleagues mm. here at Astro Supersport, they went to a beautiful island. And guess who would be there? He had rented a yacht, Nani, mm. the ex-Portuguese uh, international as well. So he, he, I guess, liked Malaysia being here on pre-season and he came back for holiday. So mm -hmm. hopefully one day you'll get a, a full break here and uh, without having to do any work, no prison, nothing, no TV work, just Palo Ferreira family, holiday time. Uh, let's go back to your early days. Do you come from a sporting family? Yes, uh, I had my old brothers. So um, I had three old uh, siblings, so two boys and one girl. Uh, the boy is like 10 years older than me. It was from my, my mom's first uh, marriage. Uh, and they were both uh, playing. Uh, and um, and they were the ones that kind of pushed me and um, and kind of make make me feel um, you know feel that passion you yeah. know, to, of football and uh, and I was going follow them uh, they were playing an amateur level um, and that's where you know like I kind of start to 
to enjoy and, and have that love of you know of playing football, which I start with the age of what six, playing in the streets as a normal kid, uh, making goals with two stones. Yeah. In the, just enjoying, you know, like uh, just playing and uh, and follow them as well. So, but it was much because of them that I I start playing. What position did they play? You know, at that time there were no, there were not academies or school uh, or football schools that you you see now uh, nowadays, which where you see kids with age of six start playing in these small academies or whatever. At that time, no. So you just had to to play outside, um, sometimes playing neighborhoods against neighborhoods, just to mm. indoor like futsal, outdoors, just uh, you know, just playing as much as you could and enjoy, and then you could only in, only. Uh, join a club with age of 10, so that was the at that time, you know, like uh, the year that you could uh, join a club and then start playing kind of 11-a-side football. Um, but I, you know, at that young age, I was playing a little bit everywhere. You know, okay. there was no kind of really positions. You know, playing in the street, you just go, you just want to enjoy, you just want to dribble and do stuff with the ball and uh, and just enjoy. So that was what we. We used to do, yeah. Did you have an idol? Who did you look up to, apart from your brothers? Maradona. Maradona yeah, for yeah. you. Yeah. He was the because, man. Because, uh, you know, born in 79, uh, I have really in my mind, uh, you know, that uh, World Cup in 86, Mexico, which, you know, Argentina, they won the, mm -hmm. the, the World Cup and, uh, and Maradona just, uh, you know, took, you know, his country on his shoulders and, uh, um, and what he used to do with the ball and all that was unbelievable. So from that young age, uh, you know, he came straight to you know to to my mind, and see him playing, you know, I fell in love with uh, with that guy. Do you think he, of all the players that you've yeah. seen, he had the best ball control? I think so. I think he was. Yeah, he was unbelievable. Better than a Zidane. Better than a Figo. Yeah, yes. that it was different later you know obviously then then you came then he came Zidane he came Ronaldo phenomenal he came Ronaldinho Gaúcho which was another one you know like unbelievable with a with a ball um, but the, at that you know but growing up uh, he was the one uh, mm. that I was looking up to, yeah did you see the story Gary Neville uh, Gary Neville Gary Lineker told mm. about Maradona no uh, there was some world 11 or something and he came to play and Maradona was in the same team as Lineker and Maradona comes out and he just kicks the ball as high as he can. Comes down, kicks it, kicks it, kicks it. He did it, I can't remember, like 10, 12 times. No problem. And uh, Lineker thought, wow, okay. And he went back, when he went back to Barcelona, this is Barcelona Football Club, no one could do more than three. Mm. And the thing about Maradona is when he's kicking it up, he didn't move from, his, from the spot, just bump, yep. bump, bump. And I was just thinking, in principle, it sounds so simple. But if the other professionals at Barcelona can't do it, it just makes you think how good Maradona no, was. It was not just with the with with the football. It was doing with whatever mm. could be with an apple, orange, tennis, ball, whatever. It was too easy for him. Because I remember the World Cup in '94, for example, in the US, to, to see him in training because they showed like a, a session or, or a little bit of the session and you could see you know like his teammates they were running kind of, you know, that lap around mm. the, the pitch and he was kind of in the middle, just playing with the tennis ball. With the with the lasers, you know, and he was just hands, you know, behind the behind his back and just yeah, enjoying. So for him, it was too too easy and uh, and simple. This is amazing clip uh, yeah. of him warming up to the sound, uh, something something like in Napoli, yeah, in Napoli, eighteen. I think it was a Champions League yeah, game, yeah. and he's just so carefree the way yeah. he plays. It's it is magical to see, mm. and uh, yeah, I completely agree. The yeah. Maradona thing. It's uh, I thought you were going to say a Portuguese player, but.
I guess Maradona yeah. would fit the, uh, the fact that football is a global game more than mm. anything else. Did you ever get a chance to meet him? Yeah. yeah. Did you tell him that... What did you say to yeah, someone like Maradona? First of all, Maradona? I was quite nervous. Um, uh, I was at Chelsea. Uh, we were having a, a, a training session and he just uh, showed up. So obviously I was waiting for the session to, to finish just to go and have a picture with him. Yeah. You know, so, uh, but I was quite nervous. Uh, obviously asked like polite for a picture and it was you know, really nice and, um, and I had my picture. So. But then later I met him again on a different uh, situation and was in London as well. Um, and this was a funny one because um, I was walking on Sloan Street. You might know the Yes, the I street. do, yeah. I was with my wife. My son was still a baby. So we just like kind of uh, uh, have a walk. Um, and then you have like all that nice shops, you know, the nice yeah, you know, the brands. Yeah, because it's Square, uh, King's yeah. Road, yeah. So um, I was just walking and, um, and then like, just next to a shop, uh, there was like this van, you know, black van with a black, you know, like uh, windows. windows and all that. And, and as I passed next to the driver, he was a driver and someone else next to him. And, and the guy next to him, he just recognized me and he said, oh, Paulo, Paulo, uh, uh, listen. So he came out of the car and, hey, listen, you know who's in the, inside of the shop? And I say, no, you know, Maradona is there. And I say, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but the shop, they, they closed just for him, you know, yeah. the, the shop. And, uh, and I say, okay, no, but, you know, just leave him, okay? It's, no, 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 you have to come, you have to come. So I just knocked the door. <laughs> you know, I came like the person that works for the, for the, for the shop. He just said, excuse me, but we, we are closed. So, and the guy just said, no, 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 no. Do you know who is this guy? You know, he's, he's Paul Ferreira, Chelsea player. He just went to meet, you know, Maradona. And then I said, no, no, but that's okay. No, just leave it, you know. Uh, and then I could see from the end of, of the shop, I just see like a head come out. and was come out and was, uh, was Maradona and, you know, it just kind of called me and, and I went, you know, I just hug him, give a kiss, you know, like yeah. proper kind of South American. Uh, and uh, we had like a quick chat and, uh, and then I just left. And so I say, oh, fantastic. And, uh, you know, I got like two times and then I had a third time, obviously, with, with them as well. That was one of the FIFA awards in London. Yeah, um, and, I, and I met him again, and but then it was different because you know it wasn't that kind of the first time, uh, and he recognized me as well. Yeah, it was quite nice, and um, and we had like a quick chat. But you know how many how many people they came to him. Uh, but it was like the those you know like uh, stories which uh, stay for me forever. Yeah. Of course, and funny ones. Because when you think of the arguments of who are the yeah. goats, uh, Maradona's there, Messi's there, Cristiano yeah. Ronaldo's there. Did you meet Pele? No, unfortunately not. Okay, so uh, combined yeah. together, we've actually met everybody yeah. because I've met Pele here. Okay. With uh, with the next Chelsea player, Oscar. So I yeah. was I was hosting the event and uh, just transfixed mm. by everything Pele had to say. Uh, very very thick Brazilian accent when he's speaking English. So it mm. can be a bit hard, but wow, I was just like, yeah. that's Pele. That's oh, we had another one that um, that we had, Eusebio. Oh, was Eusebio. Another one. Oh, you, you probably, yeah. I presume you yeah. met him quite a lot, so. We call him the king. Yeah. We used to call him the king and um, what, a, what a fantastic person as well. And, and how big he was. Uh, remember going with the national team to different countries and, um, and that kind of old generation, they would come straight to him, you know, like uh, mm. they didn't kind of care about Ronaldo or Figo or 
Just on him. It was yeah. unbelievable, yeah. I can just imagine, did he live in Portugal? Yeah. I can imagine that he couldn't go out on the streets. It, would have it was been okay because people, they, uh, it was, you know, a symbol mm. um, in Portugal. And, uh, but people, they, they used to respect him a lot. And, um, but obviously, he's a big figure and, um, and obviously couldn't walk without being recognized. Yeah. That, um, but what a gentleman he was as well. Fantastic person. Nice stories we, we had in the national team. Yeah. Know, like sometimes sitting on a bench just before the training session. So we had like a few players there and, uh, and just listen, you know, his stories. And uh, it was beautiful, you know, like to just that kind of five, ten minutes sitting there and just listen to him. And it was fantastic, you know. Yeah, good storyteller then. Good ones, yeah. Can yeah. I ask, on the topic of being recognized, <coughs> is it easier for players to be playing in England because you get left alone more? Because that's what's often said hmm. by Spanish players or hmm. Portuguese, it's at whatever country, that playing in England you can, like you just told me, you're walking along yeah. around Sloane Square. No problem, right? No, no problem. I didn't find any problem, you know. Like I think they they respect you a lot. You know, who who likes football, they they will know you. Uh, but you know, in particular for me, because I was quite uh, quiet person, more relaxed, avoiding a lot of uh, interviews. Uh, because kind of I wanted to be that kind of person that could walk, be with family, do everything, you know, like uh, as a normal person, and not having that kind of. You know, attention. People, attention and people coming to you all the time, which uh, which for some players are impossible. Mm. Um, um, so for me, it was quite easy to, to walk in London, and uh, you know, some people they were coming sometimes bumped with a, with a Chelsea supporter, they would come and ask for a picture. But but uh, you know, like it was quite easy. You know, like I had, I had a story as well of uh, I went, for example, to a restaurant, and uh, we were just arriving, having dinner with uh, with a friend. Uh, we just sat, and then the waiter came and said, "Oh, you know, sorry, Mr. Mr. Ferrer, you know, like uh, uh, there's a family there, where you know, like uh, they ask if if you could, you know, have a picture with uh, mm. with their kids. Um, they just finished the, their meal, but they they'll be happy to wait until you finish yours." And I said, "No, listen, I just sat down. I don't know how long I'll be, yeah. you know, like here. So just let's go. Let's do it. Let's, you know." Bring the kids, take a picture, and that's it. But you could see how people they kind of respect you. And uh, but for me, it was it was quite easy. Yeah. Uh, obviously, even in Portugal, you know, I can walk in Portugal, and uh, even in my village, where I born and grew up. Um, maybe because of I say like your personality or your, the way you are or or what you did in football or kind of your behave or something, you know, so they, they see you in Portugal, they call me Paulinho, they don't call me, I know, or in Cascais in my village, they don't call me like Paulo Ferreira or they call me Paulinho, that, because, you know, like I born and grew up in yeah. my village and they, you know, so when they see me, hey, Paulinho, so they don't see that kind of person that was, uh, you know, playing, they could see on television or whatever. Now that I stopped playing, you know, people, they start to see you now in a different, uh, mm. different way, okay, he's not playing anymore. He's here, we see him all the time, so as a normal person, which I, I really enjoy. Yeah, true. I mean, I'm just talking about, I, I, there was a quote, I think, from Messi this year, saying that he wishes he could just go out, yeah. you know, but 
him, Ronaldo, yeah. or if you're talking actors, I don't know, Brad Pitt or something, mm -hmm. they can never ever, no matter what country they go to, they can't go out on the streets. It yeah, is no. just be chaos. I know, it's, it's hard for them. And um, obviously, uh, I read something uh, years ago, I think it was Ronaldo Phenomenal, when he was in Italy, I think he had to go, if he wanted to go to a cinema or something, he had to go 10 minutes or five minutes after this, the, the cinema start, mm -hmm. and then he has to leave five minutes before something to avoid, you yes. know, that. And, you know, obviously, some, they are really famous and they have the, all that attention because of what they are and what yeah. they do. And, and sometimes because they, they are the ones that they don't want to, to talk much or give too much interviews, they, they prefer to be quiet or a bit more quiet than maybe others that they really like that and they want to be the, uh, you know, they want to be recognized, they want to be known and, uh, mm -hmm. and they do whatever they want to, to be there all the time. But, you know, some they, it's because what they are as a, as a footballer. So that is quite, quite hard, obviously. And, and I understand them as well. You know, yeah. as much money or famous that, that you, that you have, um, you know, to have sometimes that kind of uh, relax do something as a normal person, go to the beach, go to a shopping center, go, you know, whatever, and, and not be able to mm. or go to a restaurant and, uh, and, and not have that kind of relaxed time with no one come to you. Uh, I understand them and, uh, and I know, well, I can imagine, you know, how, how it is for them. Did you ever see those pictures where Ronaldo, when he was at Madrid, uh, Cristiano? That was a video of the tea. Uh, yeah, but he had to wear a wig and oh, that one, that yeah. one, and all of that just just to yeah. go out. I think it's. Yeah, that was brilliant, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but but he had another one with. Uh, I think he was having a tea and the picture, so they want to see how many times he he was kind of kind of drinking a tea, yeah. and ha and take a picture. So soon the first one's coming, then he, he didn't finish the tea because uh, he was sitting down. Oh, can I have a picture? Stand up, picture. sitting, stand up, and that, it's hard, you know. Like, yeah, that's the things of. If you want to have like a, and do something as a normal person, it's difficult. Even this week, Justin Bieber, I don't know if you know who he is, he's a singer. He was in Japan, I think, and he had to wear a wig. Yeah. And he looks completely different. But that's, that's what you have to do, I guess, I know. when you go it's out. It's harder. Yeah, it but, is. You know, there's nothing you can do. It's, it's the way it is. Yeah. Um, going back to your life, your yeah. early life, do you have a club you supported? Yes. Are you allowed you to know, say who? Hmm? You know, like... Um, I grew up in a family where most of they were Benfica supporters. Mm -hmm. My father was a sporting uh, supporter as well. Um, you know, I used to go as a young boy to Estoril a lot because when they were in, uh, in, the, in the first division. So I used to go and, and watch the, obviously the, the big games uh, and see like those famous players as well, you know, from the, from the big clubs, like a little bit more close. Uh, and some of them, then I, you know, managed to, to play with. Yeah. Uh, it was funny. Uh, yeah, but Estoril was one of the clubs because it was from the, from the village which I grew up and, um, and I used to go a lot, you know, as a young boy to, to watch the game. And sometimes I couldn't get a ticket to go inside and I had to find a place like an area. Oh, you would uh, climb up and... Kind of, uh, you know, to, to be able to, to watch from there, the games, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Did you, at what point did you start taking it seriously when you're watching football? Mm. That you weren't just watching and hoping a team would win. You're, I presume you were analysing how players play. You mm. were watching and trying to learn from yeah. that. When, when did you start sort of doing that? I think that? Uh, maybe with the age of 14, 
was when I started to become a little bit like more skillful, playing a lot at school and um, and in Cascais, in the club uh, where I did like from the age of 14 until uh, until 17. Um, and obviously, you know, like uh, you see those kind of players do the skills and, and you try to copy as well. Mm. Uh, but I was watching football a lot, you know, like. Uh, Every single game, whatever, will be the big club, small club, uh, lots of Champions League, obviously, national team. But um, but that was, you know, the thing when you grow, you watch players, you know, especially the skillful ones, and, and you want to, to copy the, you know, those skills. And uh, but I was quite skillful at that time, and uh, and I was enjoying a lot, um, you know, like uh, playing and uh, playing at school, and then playing in a club as well. Sometimes just finish school, just go home, grab an apple, get my backpack, take you know catching two buses to go to for practice, and, yeah. uh, and it was like playing at school and then keep going you know in a, in the club. So, but that's just to carry on to go and play, 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 and do the skills and do all that tricks, whatever that you want to do. Can Can I ask when it comes to watching, <coughs> let's say Champions League and other matches on TV? How, how available was it in Portugal? I have no idea. Mm. And you're just a few years older than me, but I remember growing up, mm. I always looked forward to the World Cup because that's when you could see Ronaldo, the Brazilian Ronaldo play or the Brazil side full stop. It's, you didn't really get a chance nowadays. You can go onto YouTube, you yep. can go onto Instagram, you can see all the clips, all the goals, everything is packaged together. Mm. But back then, to see someone special, you had to pretty much wait for the World Cup or hope that... Yeah. You could afford Champions League if it was on satellite TV or whatever. Yeah, but, uh, but in Portugal they were they were showing a lot, you know. Special, they showed a lot. Yeah, especially ah. especially Champions Leagues and all all that. Um, you know, we didn't have that those channels that uh, that we had to, to start paying later. Um, and then they you know they used to show every weekend you know the Premier League as well. So I was watching Premier League. A lot. Oh, you got you, you yeah. could so you yeah, could watch. They were okay. showing you know, like um, some highlights or or just the games from the weekend. Um, and, uh, and it was really nice as well, you know, just to see the, the difference as well. Yeah, what did you think when you before you played in England, what did you think of the English teams? That they, did they look more physical on TV than uh, what you were used to and bigger, faster? Yeah. No, that time was, you know, it was, uh, it was proper physical, you know, yeah. like uh, especially growing up and, and see the, you know, that those kind of nasty tackles and, uh, but, but what I found quite interesting was the, um, the, the pace of the game, you know, the intensity, the um, and you know, like some fouls that should be, or in Portugal it would be easy a foul, and the referee didn't give, and, and you see the game just, uh, you know, go one side to the other, and it was unbelievable. And then I, obviously I found then later when uh, when I played in uh, in the Premier League, uh, then I say, oh, now I know how yeah, it understand. is. And sometimes you know you couldn't play a game or see a game without. Uh, you know, like a doctor or or physio to go inside to you know to assist the player or something. You know, sometimes they like to tackle the player, stand up, keep going, mm. and it was unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. What about your position on the pitch? Because we remember you as a fullback, of course, but that wasn't always your position. Am I correct mm -hmm. in saying that? Yeah. No, I became a fullback. Uh, I was already professional. I was in Setúbal. Okay. Uh, I became professional with the age of 18, almost turning 19. So I was playing at amateur level until age of 17, playing in clay. So there was no artificials like like you see now. It was clay, 
Um, and then I went to Estoril to play in the youth on a different level. And so I was in the top division of the of the youth league, um, different level. And but I was a striker by that time. And then I became professional um, the follow the follow year. And um, and then I start training with the first team. If I wasn't uh, in the squad for the game, I was playing for the youth. Um, but as as an attacking player, and, and then, then um, I went to um, I went to Setubal, um as a winger. So uh, that I went with a, a former player, Rui Agus, that um, was a top striker at mm -hmm. that time, Portuguese international. And um, and it took me to to Setubal because I was on my end of contract of Estoril. They tried uh, everything everything to to renew contract, but I had already in my mind that was the time to move on. And at that time, Setubal they were in the first division, top division in Portugal, but unfortunately they they went down. But uh, that manager Riagos he went there to try to keep the club in the top division, but uh, unfortunately they couldn't. Uh, so I went as a winger. Um, so after I think a couple of games, we were not doing well because the club had a project to go up on that on that season, and we were not doing quite well. I remember to go to the under 20s, under 21 uh, games. So we had like two games, um, qualifying games for the Euro in uh, in Switzerland, mm -hmm. 2002. Um, so I went to the national team. The national team was funny because I was playing as a midfielder. So, like a number eight. Yeah. And in the club I was left winger. Oh, you were left winger? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we played the first game. Uh, we beat the Republic of Ireland at home. And then the second game we were playing in Holland. And after that first game, uh, I was reading the paper, the newspaper, and, and I found that the, the manager of, you know, Rui Agus, Mm -hmm. The manager of Setubal, he, he got sacked. So, and then it was George Jesus yeah. that, uh, that he went there. Uh, and that's it. So I went uh, to Holland. I was right back at that time. He got the yellow on that game and he had one, another one on the previous, because I think in the group stage, two yellows, you, you had to, uh, you were suspended for the next game, for one game. So uh, he couldn't play in Holland. Um, and then the, the coach at that time, the national, the national team coach, he just came to me and said, Paul, you know, like, uh, I need you to, to help me. Because, uh, uh, you know, Ricardo Esteves is, he can't play. Uh, and I can see, you know, like, that in, in the squad, you are the one that tactically you can, can help me play in there. And I say, oh. boss, no problem. I'm here to help. No problem. So I play right back. We drew 1-1. At that time, they had really good players. Holland, you know, Kite mm. was one of them. Robin, he was there, but on the bench, quite young, uh, young player. Uh, so we drew. Uh, we stayed there, I like to watch the first team, the national team. Um, and then when we returned, I went back to the club to prepare the game for the, to prepare, you know, for the game in the weekend. Uh, already with George Jesus, uh, and then it was kind of giving the beeps 
uh, and he gave me the bib and I say, boy, you, you write back. And, and I was like, boss, you know, I'm not right back. And I tried to explain quite, yeah. quite quickly. Everyone were quite looking, you know, to me and, and some to each other. I tried to quickly explain uh, that I wasn't, you know, like a, I was not the right back. I just, you know, play there like to help. And he said, no, you did well. You stay there. And that's it. That was, you know, it changed my, my career. Yeah, quite literally. Yeah. Um, before all of this, though, how were you actually discovered when you were a youngster? You said you were skillful mm -hmm. as a 14-year-old. Were you scouted yeah. or was it a specific game? Uh, no, I was playing for my village. Uh, I remember, so I went to Cascais. But before that, I played with, uh, with another former player, Uglial. We played in this small club as well in Cascais. Uh, we played together. Um, and then uh, I stopped for a year. Mm. I wasn't doing well at school and I wasn't happy. So I took, I think it was the age of 13. I didn't play. Uh, but at school I was playing a lot and uh, and then and I had some friends that they were playing in Cascais and say, Paulo, come to Cascais, come to play with us and uh, you know, you'll be helping us a lot and you will enjoy it. But I'm going to say, no, 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 guys, I, you know, this year is just to focus school. So, and then I did really well at school that year. But uh, but then the following I turned 14 and, um, and my mom, she was a housekeeper. Um, and she was cleaning the house of, of this person that he was the coach of the end of 14s at that time in Cascais. Oh, wow. Uh, and my brother, one of them, he knew him. Uh, and he knew that he was the, the coach of the end of 14s of Cascais. And then he, he would, I think he, he spoke with him and he said, listen, I have my, my brother, my young brother, which, you know, like, he's there, he has no club, 14. I think maybe he could go to, to Cascais, you know, and, and play for you or whatever. And that's it, he arrived home and he said, listen, I spoke with the, with the coach of Cascais under 14 and, uh, you know, I think it would be good for you to go there and uh, collect for a trial and, um, and go and play again. Yeah. And I said, ah, I don't know, maybe not. And, um, but he kind of pushed me and, uh, and I decided to go. So I just went and, you know, obviously most of, of the team, they were in, in my school, we were together. And when they saw me, you know, coming in, they, they were so happy. And they said, I had like the first session and they said like, you have to stay with us. So, um, because it was too, too easy for me, I was quite skillful. And then um, I did there until the age of 17, because then that coach, he went to Estoril, to the, to the youth, mm -hmm. to the under, under, under 18s at that time. Uh, so when I became that under 18, was when he, again, he just um, came to me. I think he was kind of follow my um, my develop there in Cascais, and when I reached that age where he could uh, get me, he just uh, came to me, spoke with my mom as well because then I had to decide um, or to go or go there or, or had to to have a break from school because um, I was in high school and and most of my classes they were in the morning, and there in Estoril I was training every day in the morning. So, and the important classes they were in the morning. So I, I tried at school like to change to, to the afternoon, but it was impossible. So then he kind of convinced my mother that uh, I had potential and, uh, and I could do well. Uh, and fortunately for me, and uh, that's why I thank always, you know, like my mother, because uh, she was the one that uh, allowed me and gave me that opportunity to, to go and, and follow my dream. Um, and I went, you know, she said, you go, 
but uh, if things doesn't go well, you have to go back to school. And I said, mm. okay, mom, no problem. And that's it. I went, I went there, and a year later, I became professional. Has she ever said to you, you made the right decision? <clears throat> I don't know. I think it's now that I'm a father, you know, like uh, you start thinking how, how much important it is the school, you know, the studies are really important because now it's so difficult, you know, to become professional or I'm not saying maybe became professional, but to have a really good career where you can win trophies, make really good money and mm. um, I think the studies are really important and having kids now, you know, that's, that's what we encourage a lot, you know, and I have my son that is playing uh, and he's doing well, but, uh, and he loves, you know, playing football. Uh, but um, but we also encourage him to, to study because it's really important to at least if it doesn't happen you have a plan B because it has to be always there like a plan B uh, and not just give and focus everything in, in, in football you know for me fortunately it happened I was a bit of luck luck as well lucky one and uh, probably like in 200 or whatever 2,000 kids I you know especially on the way that it happened with me. Mm. Because now you see most of the kids playing in good, or good clubs or, or the academies, they have much, you know, maybe a, a, a much bigger chance. Which I was playing in amateur level until age of 17, and then a year later I became professional. So it's not easy, and you don't see quite often, you know, these uh, situations happen. Yeah. Um, but that's why, you know, like um, uh, for me, it was was you know, like I was happy. But I have to thank my, my mother because uh, she, she allowed me, you know, like she, she knew that that was my passion and, and I really love to play football and, um, and she allowed me to. And, uh, and she took the risk, you know, just go and see how it goes. If it doesn't uh, go well, you go back to study, you know, to study. So fortunately for me, it went well, but uh, maybe with other, other parents. We might not be the, the same uh, the same case, you know, like uh, especially if, if it's not 100% guarantee that you will become professional. And um, so some parents they'll probably will be more focused, you know, like uh, on studies. Yeah. Yeah. Did you did she come and watch you play? Yeah. Like even when you were in England. Yes, sometimes. Yeah. Wow, that's a, yeah. quite a fair distance to travel. Uh, it was, you know, like uh, my father was a bit more difficult uh, because he was an alcoholic person. Mm, sorry to hear uh, that. Yeah, um, and then uh, my second year at Porto, he passed away at that time. And um, but he was not that person like to follow me even when I was playing in in Cascais and then uh, in the youth in Estoril. Uh, it was difficult, so it was more like my mother to that she always tried to to be there and uh, and watch me playing. And it was quite difficult for her because she was getting nervous and. Uh, but she was always there. there. She tried to be, you know. Obviously, in London, because of the distance, and even Porto, was a bit more difficult as well, you know, to be there all the time. But uh, but when she could, she was there. Where is Porto uh, in relation to where you lived? Uh, it was three hours driving, Oof. which okay. is still a little bit. Yeah. Uh, obviously, my mom she doesn't drive. Um, normally, she was going with uh, with my father-in-law. Uh, when he used to go and spend some days with us, uh, you know, she was coming as well. Um, and then obviously at Chelsea, uh, yeah, sometimes she was, she was coming and, and spent like uh, like two or three weeks or, and, uh, and watching the games because yeah. she, she loved to go. On the topic of Porto, how did that move come about? Uh, this, you know, my first season at 
it said to well, we got promoted. So last game of the season, uh, we end up uh, getting you know like promoted. Premier Liga. Yeah, and it was a dream for me as well, you know, because in, in Estoril, I was like in a kind of second division, like championship, and then we we went down to to second division B, which is like League One. Yeah, uh, and for me, that could be a good a good opportunity to go like from kind of League One to to the top division in mm. Portugal, but then obviously Setubal, they went down to the second division and then um, I knew I knew the league because playing in Estoril uh, in that division, you know, before we went down to, to the to the second B, um, it wasn't nothing strange for me, but um, but obviously I was looking forward to, to make that jump to the top division and obviously it's different, you know, it will be seen and people they will see you much, uh, much, much more than uh, than in second divisions or second B division. Uh, but we got promoted, uh, which was fantastic. And um, um, the club had an offer from Sporting Lisbon, but they didn't uh, agree. Um, and uh, and then I stayed another season. So I was a bit uh, upset because it was a chance to go to a top club mm. because it's what you dream, you know. Obviously, first is to become professional. But then is to try to play for for a big club in Portugal. So then Sporting came. Uh, you know, it didn't happen. The club, you know, Setúbal, they they were fantastic with me. Um, and then uh, on the second season, it was when Porto came. I remember it was a couple of games before the end of the season. I was in Cascais, and then I received a phone call from the from Setúbal president at that time uh, to meet him in Lisbon to his office. Uh, because he had something important to talk with me, and I was—I didn't know what what was going on. Or you know, I was thinking, what happened? What yeah. I did wrong, or, or something like that. So when I went to his office, he just um, he just told me, "Say, Paulo, we just agreed a deal with Porto, but um, but we have a little problem here, because at that time I was my my f my first agent. Uh, that was um, Jose Vega." And he was the, like, the agent of Figo at that time, top players in Portugal. <coughs> Sorry. And I didn't want to sign with any agent, so I went to Setúbal with, with no agent, and, uh, and I didn't want. Um, but, uh, but then, you know, like, uh, I was a little bit pushed by, by George Jesus and, mm. uh, and I signed with him. So I had other agents also, you know, like, uh, try to sign. But, I, you know, I, I didn't want, and then... I signed with uh, with Vega, and then he was. He had, we had that problem because he, um, I think he cut uh, relationship with Porto. I think there there was some argue or whatever, and um, so they stopped talking to each other, and that was the problem. So, but at that time, I told the the president. I said, "Listen, you know, like um, I had one opportunity. You know, sometimes the train doesn't pass twice. So, this is the second one, and I will not." Make the move because of an agent that doesn't mm. that doesn't uh, talk with the club. So uh, I will go. I don't care, and that's it. I moved to to Porto. Yeah. What were your first impressions of the one knowing Jose Mourinho? Uh, you know, I met Jose uh, before that um, because he's from Setúbal. Uh, his father at that time he, he was working for the club, so I knew his uh, his dad at that time. 
fantastic person as well, always nice with me. Uh, and then I remember like um, I met him, I think was when he left Benfica, when he came from Barcelona to start coaching Benfica and then, and then he left Benfica, uh, like uh, in, in December. Mm. Uh, and then I think that second half of the, of the league, um, which he didn't coach, he just wait until the end of the season, then maybe to, to go to another club. He was watching some some our game home games. Uh, in one day, you know, like uh, we had a double session because with Jesus we had, I think it was a Friday, like a, a normal morning session. And then in the afternoon, uh, we had like a big meeting, a little bit like to talk about the opposition and then uh, end up with uh, with massage or, or whatever if you want to go to the sauna or steam room or something. And that's it. So in between that, uh, those sessions, so we had the morning session, we went for lunch with some players. Um, and then on the way back to the stadium, we park and, and Jose was there talking with his, uh, with his father at the time. So, and then, so we came, I, I stayed behind. And, and um, so I shook, you know, like um, Jose's dad hand first and then, and then I shook his hand. And then as I was shooking his hand, his hand, it just said, you know, Paulo, you need to, you need to move. You can't stay here. Mm. And I say, yeah, I'll try. I'm giving my best, and, and that's it. That was the, you know, like the, the only words he, he kind of gave to me. And and then we finished that season. And um, no, and then he, yeah, finished that season. He went to Lidia. Um, uh, that was the year, the season that we got promoted. So it was when I met him. And then I play against him when he was in Lydia. So we played Lydia. He was in Lydia at that time, and uh, and I had a teammate that um, that we played together in uh, Estoril, in the youth, and we got we signed professional contract together mm. at that time. And uh, obviously, when I left to to move to to Setuel, he stayed. He renewed contract, so he stayed in in Estoril another season. So then, when I got promoted with Estoril, was when he left uh, with with Setuel. Then he left. Estoril to, to join uh, Lydia, so then we kind of play in, in the top, yeah, okay. in the top division. Um, and then uh, you know, like uh, I remember, we play at home, we drew the game very quickly. Just uh, you know, say we swapped shirts and we told you know, like hey, have a shower, have a quick shower, you know, for us like to talk a little bit because we're not seeing each other for a long time. Yeah. Uh, just before you go back to Lydia, so you know, let's talk a little bit, and that's it. Yeah, we had a quick sh uh, shower. Um, and, and as we start talking, he was just saying that, you know, like, uh, listen, Paul, you know, like, uh, oh, you know, Jose loves you. And I say, what do you mean? You know, in a team meeting, uh, he was just talking a lot about you and you have to be careful with that side. We have to be careful with Paulo, with this and blah, blah, blah. And I say, okay, it's nice to, you know, nice mm. to hear. And that's it. And then in January, he signed for Porto, Jose, you know, staying uh, in Setúbal. Um, and then in the end of that season was when I when I moved to to Porto. Yeah. But we had a teammate that his name Fernando Mendes. He played in all like top like the top five clubs in in Portugal. Uh, and he played for Porto as well. And I remember just uh, uh, before the end of the season, he he started kind of listen. Porto are here, Porto they are watching you, Porto this, Porto that, and I said, listen, you know, just, just leave me, don't say anything, yeah. I prefer, because otherwise, knowing that someone is there, like, watching you, or I prefer not to know, you know, just, I want to play, just relax, whatever, you know, so listen, I'm talking with them, and blah, 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 and whatever, 
so then uh, in the end of, uh, of that season I went there. But just a few games before the, the end of the season when I received the call from the, the president. Oh. And I went, I don't know if, if it was because of Jose uh, or Porto, they were already watching me, you know, like, and just waiting for the, for the right moment maybe to sign me. But, uh, but in the end of that season, I went to, to Porto and, uh, yeah, and start uh, Amazing. playing under him, yeah. under Jose. Yeah. With Jose, uh, his late father was Felix, right? Was that his name? Yes. Felix. He was a goalkeeper. Yeah, he was. Yeah. How, how good a player is Jose, though? You would have seen him. I saw him playing in the charity match in goal. Uh, yeah, I think he played like in low division, I think. But, uh, but I think then later he just decided to go for <laughs> studies, yeah. I think, I think it's safe he, to say that worked out. That decision definitely paid off. Um, what yeah. is it about him that makes him so good at what he does? He's, he's been a winner everywhere he's gone, except Tottenham, although he did take yeah. them to a cup final and then he yeah. left the club. No, he's a winner, you know, but his, like his anger, his you know, desire, he wants to win. Um, I think it's that passion that he, that he has. And I remember being at Porto and he was a quite young manager at that time and, uh, and you could see how much he, he wanted to win and wanted to succeed. And, uh, made me move abroad like 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 it happened to go to to a different level to coach you know like a, another top club uh, but we could see that you know the way he was motivating players the way he was pushing everyone mm. how clever he was like to sometimes to touch you he knew how to touch players he knew all all players characters um, and he knew how maybe some he has to be a bit Harder others on a different way, or, or even touch someone bigger in a in a dressing room for all the others kind of feel of oh we have to be careful or he was so clever on that uh, and that's you know obviously then with the with the training sessions as well you know the organization uh, was unbelievable stop. A lot of the stuff <clears throat> he says to the media becomes headline grabbing. Of course, he's Jose Mourinho, but how much of it is actually him saying what he means as opposed to just taking attention away yeah. from the players and putting it on himself yeah. because he's more than happy to do that. No, he loved that. Uh, <laughs> he loved that. And, um, but in one way, uh, he brought most of the attention on him. And, um, but as a player, we knew that uh, we had kind of go to a fight, you know, Go for him, you know. Mm. I, you know, go with them. Go, and uh, because of sometimes he was bringing all that attentions and uh, and make us feel that we need to go with them. You know, we need to fight for him. We need to. You know, so that's that was the the things that he he knew how to talk with media and uh, and get all that attention uh, and you know just to leave that pressure, you know, just for him and, and not the players. Yeah. players to kind of think about playing and think about the game and that's it but but we knew when he was saying something touching someone or from the opposition or this that we need to go with him you ever think wow you're crazy boss because you know you hear these things like he went into the the carrier the the laundry bag thing and he yeah. got pushed in i mean when you see a manager doing that you're thinking well, you you're a little bit mad no it does what he has to do, like to, to win the game and be with the players. Uh, that one was quite, uh, you know, I, I knew the story, obviously. Um, I, I would for sure like tell until that come out. 
Um, but he, he did what he had to do, like to to be there and, and win that game. He said he couldn't even breathe in there. No. Like he could have passed out. You know, yeah. it's. Um... I know those boxes, and uh, <laughs> and I understand what uh, what he says. Uh, but you know, like uh, it was a really important game against a top a top team as well. And uh, and he did what he what he had to, mm. you know, just to be there and uh, and to leave the message to to the players because it's different. Go through someone else. Um, and uh, and it works. Yeah. So that's that's the the most important. <laughs> Did you watch the Tottenham All or Nothing documentary uh, with Josie? Yes. When you're watching that, you're thinking, oh, yes, he, that that's what he's like. Or is he conscious that there's cameras there? And no, it is. It is in some way. Yes. Obviously, probably other stuff they they didn't show or they or they were not allowed or because you know you can't give out. Everything, but uh, but for example, those meetings with the players, yes, you know, he says what he what he has to say to the, to a player. You know, he brings anyone and uh, and tells you. Uh, he's not someone that will go behind, mm. uh, tell things behind the players or whatever. When he has to say something, he will tell you whatever will be individually or, or in front of the group. It's the way it is, uh, and you need to take it. Um, but it's him, yeah. They Definitely, always, yeah. Oh, every player I've spoken to says what they value most from a manager is honesty. And there's a lot of managers yeah. out there who are not honest. Yeah. So I guess that's one of his strongest mm -hmm. yes, yes. strongest attributes, right? Yes. His honesty to you. Yes. No, it was with me, with anyone. It mm. doesn't matter the name. We'll be with anyone. Obviously, in my opinion, you know, like this new generation is totally different. You know, the way they grow and, uh, mm. and sometimes they're not used to to have a manager that are a little bit more uh, hard with you and, uh, and when that happens they might think that he doesn't like you or something um, and it's not the case you know I had for example it was hard with me I had George Jesus he was another one as a young boy sometimes I was going home and uh, waking up next day and I say oh here I go again you know until uh, I realized that he really liked me because I was playing all the time. Mm. But he was always, uh, I was missing a pass, he was shouting with me, I was doing this, he was shouting. And then I, I start realizing that uh, he wanted me to do well uh, because he could see potential. And he told me later as well, he called me, you know, like uh, once, uh, just to tell me that, that as a winger I would be a player to play in second division, second B division. But as a fullback I could be one of the best in Europe and even in the world. Um, uh, and people, they might thought that he was crazy or whatever, and even myself when I left the room. Uh, but uh, but then on my first season at Porto, I was uh, voted as you know the best mm. right back in uh, in Europe. So and then you look back and say, actually wasn't uh, that crazy. No. Uh, but but he was hard with me, uh, and some players they you know now. They, they think that uh, if the manager are hard with you, it's because he doesn't like you. And, and it's not the case. It's because he wants you to do well. Um, and that's it, yeah. Do you enjoy that? Do you enjoy your managers being... Yeah. Is that how you get motivated? Because everyone's different. Some people, like yeah. you said, Mourinho knew yeah. how some players would react to this, how others... Is that, yeah. is that how to get the best out of Paolo? Yeah, sometimes, yes. Yeah. There were some games that you... You felt that you were kind of not not there in terms of you look like you were sleeping. Mm. You know what I mean. And sometimes you need someone to shake you, to wake you up, and uh, and then you oh let's go. Um, 
and the, and, it, and it was like that. Sometimes at halftime, just give you in front of the group, you know, just kind of uh, give you like for you to wake up. Um, I had at Porto, for example, uh, and this was a good example, Josh Costa, for, that he was playing on my side, you know, uh, as a captain, a leader. He was always, you know, like and on my on my toe. Yeah. Uh, always, you know, like uh, Paulo, wake up. Uh, it's already half an hour, and and you're still uh, you're still sleeping. Come on, and so it and, and keeps you because you knew with them you couldn't yeah. sleep. You had to be always on, uh, and and it was really important for me as well as a young player uh, to have this kind of players to to keep pushing you, uh, pushing you in a good way, you know. And sometimes even a swear word just. You know, it wasn't like to send you down, but mm. to, to push you. Energize you almost. And uh, and it helped me a lot. So, and, and sometimes it's important, you know, to, to have that from a manager, from a teammate, uh, in a good way to, you know, it's for, for the best of you and, and, and for the team as well. With all due respect to your previous clubs, joining Porto, that's one of the big ones, yeah. you know, and <clears throat> you became champions and yeah. you're the best right back in Europe. Did you enjoy the pressures of playing for? A much bigger club to where you were at before. It's totally different. Uh, you know, one thing is f you playing in a club with all respect, with settable because it's settable because it's a club with with history. Um, but at that time, when they were like fighting to to stay in the in the division, mm. so we we're fighting for for relegation, and and, and it was hard. Uh, that pressure as well um, that you don't want to go down and, and you want to stay there and and you win the other ones win you lose the other ones they win and and, and it's it, it's so difficult you know that pressure but uh, but then when you move to a club that uh, the pressure to win trophies it's totally different and as a young player you know that um, you you can't facilitate there you know, you can't make mistakes. You know that a club, a top club, if, if you start making mistakes, you, you're out. Um, or if you're not doing well, they send you on loan or, or whatever. So I knew when I went there, I, I had to kind of step up, step up give everything, uh, be all, you know, be really focused, uh, try to make as less mistakes as I could. Uh, and that, that happened, you know, obviously, uh, Jose gave me that opportunity. Uh, at that time, we had a, a very experienced player there. Uh, it was Carlos Secretario. He played for Real Madrid, mm -hmm. Portuguese international. Um, a big name as well, even in a club, Porto. I went as well to replace uh, uh, Ibarra, that was an Argentinian player, uh, which Porto spent some good money. And, um, and people, when I went to Porto, coming from Setúbal, People they had some doubts as well, um, and uh, and I took the opportunity, um, and then secretary was also important person for me because uh, fighting for same position um, as a, a very experienced player, you know, it could be a bit more harder with me, uh, but he was always encouraging, pushing me as well, and uh, and that helped me and gave me that confidence as well to. You know, to delivery, and, and that was really important. Yeah, well, you got domestic success, but we, how can we forget the Champions League yeah. with Porto? What's your biggest memory from that? The game, the final, mm. the Manchester United games. What do you remember? No, uh, you know, for me it was uh, was a, first of all it was a dream. It was my first time playing that competition, um, which I used to, you know, to watch on television, yeah. um, and being there was totally different. Um, 
um, but but obviously the group stage was uh, wasn't easy as well because we we had uh, Real Madrid, uh, Marseille, and, uh, and Partizan Belgrade at that time, uh, and we finished second and we did quite well. We went you know like we lost against uh, Real Madrid at home, but we we drew there, um, and we you know. We end up finished second place and, and then playing uh, Manchester. But mm. I think Jose came and he said that, that he would love to to catch Manchester, and uh, and it happened. Uh, and then uh, obviously you know like playing against uh, top side, top players as well. Uh, but I think in the first game we did uh, we did real well. We won two one, but it could be three or four with the chances that we we create. Um, and then the game there obviously was the, that was the game. That was special. That was. Uh, you know, like a tough game as well. Were you conscious having Sir Alex, at least for one half, right next to you as you're going up yep. and down? Uh, no, but I, I remember, for example, when uh, when he went for that game, you know, like uh, reading in papers, uh, see my name there as well uh, as a potential, you know, like uh, because playing against Manchester, playing Champions League, I was doing well. Uh, and start see your name kind of, not link, but in one way. Mm. Uh, it was also good, um, but uh, but the game the game there was tough, and uh, we were a bit of we were lucky as well. But sometimes you need that that luck because we start losing one nil, and then uh, Manchester had the goal disallowed uh, with offside, which it wasn't offside. You know the the goal with you know like the post goals goal that could change the game. You know two nil. Um, but uh, but even with one nil, we you know we, we kept going, and even in the second half, we knew that we, we need that goal. Uh, we pushed you know Man United back, and um, and then we end up on that kind on that last kind of free kick mm. uh, Jose. with that goal of yeah. Costinha, and uh, and you know like um, and, and it was funny because. It shouldn't be Benny you know, McCarthy to take the free kick. It was supposed to be Fernandez that. Uh, oh really? That he came because he was a really good, uh, you know, free kick taker. You know, was really good, left-footed. But you know, at that moment, Benny said, "I want to take it," and, and he took the, you know, the free kick. Costinha shouldn't be there, I think, in that position. But he ended up being in that position, and uh, everything went. Uh, in the end, went well. So, and it was the explosion at that time. It was the explosion? Eh? Yeah. Uh, as for the final itself, I was looking at the match report again, and I forgot that Deco got man of the match for that. I mean, you yeah. talk about what a what a player he was as the well. Best player I played with, yeah, Deco. Deco. Definitely, yeah, definitely, yeah. You played with some really yeah. good players, but you're putting him yeah. above everybody yeah. else. Yeah. Why top Deco? Top player, top player. Wow. You know, technically the vision, uh, it was unbelievable. Yeah, top player. What a player! And I remember when he came, when he signed for Chelsea, for example. Uh, I think we came to Asia for a, for a pre-season and I think it was the first game um, with Scolari. Uh, we had, um, you know, like it was two teams, normally one team playing first half and, the, and another team playing in the second. I was playing in the second and I had JT, Lamps. Mm -hmm. We were sitting on a bench there and, and I remember like uh, during the first half, they were, you know, like they were like a, a long ball to Deco and he was like in a halfway but just next to the benches. Yeah. Uh, and I remember, so the ball came, like flying. He just controlled the ball with the, with the outside, like this. Control. Um, yeah. The ball went a, a little bit high, and as the ball was coming down, with like a volley. Oh. He switched play. He switched play to I think it was Kalu, uh, that was on the opposite side. 
but beautifully it just went the ball the ball was just flying on his chest Boom. and i just because i knew the quality of the echo so i, I just look on my with my eye on and i just see lamps and uh, and and uh, and jt look into each other and say oh my goodness <laughs> so top player yeah you know, fantastic you know technically vision pass he was top and that game you know like uh he scored a beautiful goal as yeah. well, you know, like how cool he was in front of uh, uh, of the defenders and then the goalkeeper and he manages to find that spot to put the ball, you know, like uh, with class. It was fantastic. Was and top. definitely man of the match in the final for you, because that's the award he won. No, he was, yeah, yeah. he was, top okay. player, you know, like, and, and he was a player that we, we, we knew that we need him a lot. Uh, we were quite careful with them as well in training, you know, like uh, in terms of contacts and tackles or, or whatever, because he, he was unbelievable. Yeah. He was a top player. And that's, yeah. uh, Mourinho would then go to Chelsea. When did you find out the news? And how long after did you know that he wanted to bring you there as well? Yeah, that was uh, another funny story, yes. Uh, this was like a few games before the end of the season. So we were playing, I can't remember if it was home game or away, because with Porto, when we were playing home or away, we were always going to to hotel mm. the day before. So uh, we had a training session, we went to the to the couch. I was that time like the first one, I had a quick shower. I went to the couch, took my seat, because it was like the players on top and then the the coaching staff and the medical staff, they were down. Uh, and I was always like in the front, uh, uh, like window. So I was, you know, like all, you know, like the, the experienced players, yeah. they were on the back seat. Yeah. You know, as a young boy when I came and this, so, and even my second season, we, we kept the same seats. So I was sitting there, I think I was on the phone and I felt a shadow and it was, it was Joseph that sat next to me. And, and he just said, and, you know, like Paulo, you know, uh, uh, I'm leaving Porto. Uh, I don't know yet where, where I'm going, but uh, wherever I'll go, uh, you will come with me. Uh, and I say, okay. Um, and then he say, how's your English? And I say, not good, but I, I will learn. And I said, and then he left. So we finished the season. Uh, we won the league, the Champions League. Uh, I went to the national team and and I was just waiting. We had the same agent at that mm. time, uh, it was Mendes. Uh, and we just wait. I was just waiting, you know, to, to see where he was going and and that's it. So when he, he signed, you up? yeah, when he signed for Chelsea, I just told my wife, you know, we got to London. Yeah. And wow. that's it. And then was when, when it happened, I was his first sign. Um, and then, uh, yeah, then went Can to Chelsea. How does it work for foreign players? Did you have classes to learn English? Were you taking lessons like what, two, three times a week? No, or? no but at that time, no. I just learned the, the day by day. By yourself? Yeah. I, I knew the, bas the basic stuff. Um, my wife, she was comfortable, uh, she was fine. Um, and then I just learned day by day. To be fair, picking, at least words, picking words, difficult ones, uh, yeah. whatever. But uh, but that's it. I learned that way. On that way, now it's easy. Plays they have. Uh, Pictures and even when I was 
still playing, you know, when, when we had um, then Brazil is coming, Oscars, uh, Ramirez, David Lewis, they, they had a teacher there for them, but uh, if they want, they want. If not, you know, some days they, they probably wouldn't be with the mood to, mm. to stay for a class and they will skip and just go home. Well, but, uh, but the club provided that, so today is, today is totally different, much easier now. In fairness, at least you you in London, because mm. if you go to somewhere else like Liverpool or Newcastle, yes. they have their own slang, and that can be quite difficult for someone who doesn't even speak English yes. to pick up as well. So I guess London, more, more cosmopolitan, no, it, it helps. It, it, it helped, but at the same time, uh, I could be much you know my English. I could learn much quicker and, and better if um, if then you you didn't had you know if you didn't met other Portuguese people because you know London they have lots of Portuguese mm. in London as well and then I start making some some friends as well and then keep talking Portuguese and then obviously having the Portuguese television as well. So yeah. you know what I mean. Uh, it could be much quicker and, uh, and better, but uh, but obviously if you go to different parts. It probably could be much, much difficult, yes. Did you ever pretend that you couldn't understand what was being said? No. Never? No, but, but the thing was, and the funny, um, I didn't uh, care about making mistakes in terms, and sometimes even with JT or, or, or Lamps or other, you know, if I was not saying the word in the right, they were kind of correct me, yeah. laughing, but then correct me. And that's, uh, you know, like, that was really important. Did you get English humor? Uh, it, it took me, you know, it took me a, a while to kind of understand sometimes some, uh, some of them. Uh, Chelsea still have uh, a masseur, a Scottish one, Billy McCulloch, uh, funny guy. He was the one telling jokes and uh, I couldn't understand anything. Anything was just, uh, was difficult. And sometimes he was not even finished the joke. He started laughing and everyone started laughing and, and that's it. And you just sat there wondering what's no, happening? No, just laughing with them, you know, because of, of the laugh. Yeah. <laughs> so we just go. But uh, yeah, it took me quite a, a long time. Yeah. yeah, I guess, you know, it's important when you got there to understand English football, at least you had that spine of English players, yeah. uh, Terry and, and Lampard in particular. How important were they in your adaptation to... English football and Chelsea football club. No, it was easy. First, you know, like go with the with the coaching staff. You know, like uh, I knew the kind of work that Jose was doing, obviously, so it was easy. And even um, talking like one on one, we were speaking the same language, so it was easy to explain anything. That he, obviously in front of the group, he was talking with me in English, um, so that that was easy for me. Um, the other thing was the league that I would love to go, um, and all my family knew that, uh, and I told them uh, if I have a chance to go abroad, I would love to go Premier League, mm. and uh, and it happened to go there. Um, and because of that, it it also helps because um, you know, like I wanted to go to that league, you go with a different uh, uh, I don't know spirit or optimism, yeah. or, uh, and and because. We, we had a chance to play as well uh, against uh, against an English team, so we played Charlton as well my first year at Porto, because uh, Josh Costa, when I think uh, um, the season before, I think he had um, like a clash with the, with the manager at that time at Porto, and he left. He went on loan to to Charlton, 
and he really loved it. Uh, and then when he went back to Chelsea, uh, to Porto, uh, I think they arranged a game. Uh, mm. I think that game just before the, the the start of the Premier League, so we went there like uh, to play, you know, for their supporters and this and and uh, and the atmosphere, you know, like was fantastic. We we beat him, uh, we beat Charlton, and uh, but we could see even like for George Costa that he, he stayed at just half season, and how you know like people they love him, they they had a song like for him and uh, the atmosphere, and so it was like wow, it's unbelievable, it's fantastic. And uh, but then you could see, you know, so you have like that taste. Of, uh, of a game against an English uh, English team there with their own supporters and it was really really good but uh, but I adapt quite well you know yeah. to be honest uh, you know obviously then we had Carvalho coming we had Thiago as well um, and, and then because we have that mix of some English players with foreigns so it was easy easy to you know to adapt yeah I wanted to ask about Carvalho because do you think he, at times he's a bit underrated? When you talk it about is. great centre-back partnerships... It is, for me the best one. The best he center, is. Yeah. For me the best centre-back. With all respect, and I play with John, with JT, that he was a top one, but Ricky for me, oh, what a player. He wasn't that kind of, I would say, like a, a, a training session player, but he was a game, you know, how you say, like a match. Yeah, he, he's always... Player, yeah. he, he's not great in... He's not a great trainer, but he's always match-ready. Fantastic. Yeah. You could, you know, like when you're watching him playing, you say like he's not the same, you know, the same person that you you see him in training. Totally different. What a top player, fantastic player. And his chemistry. I mean, with you, of course, no, but me, also with John Terry as well, because you know, check. like uh, because John was, you know, like he was physical. He was, you know, like good in the air, a bit stronger than 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 Ricky, but but technically. Ricky was and, and Ricky had the, he had the pace. He was faster than than John. Uh, he was easily he was reading you know in terms of reading the game. He was unbelievable. You know reading uh, sometimes like the what the, the the striker movements, anticipating. He was outstanding. And then sometimes even to break for a counter attack, he was uh, he was always breaking the right time. So it was really clever. And one mm. goal, for example, that he scored when we won the league against Man United, it's a good example of that. You know, like the, the goal that he scored. Because it was a quick like break, like a counter, and he just went poof. Yeah. Go like crazy. But at the right time and he scored a goal. This, mi this might sound strange, but the name Ricky yeah. seems very English. Does anyone in Portugal actually call him Ricky apart no. from you? No, Ricardo. They yeah, call okay. him Ricardo. Yeah. Just one. But Ricky was because of uh, of that time at Chelsea it was easy. Instead of calling him Carvalho or Ricardo, yeah. it's like Ricky, Ricky, so it was easy. Yeah, yeah, this doesn't look like a Ricky. I don't know. Yeah. It's like, but it's yeah, just but, me. Uh, what a player. Fantastic about, player. Uh, I play as a goalkeeper, so I've always been fascinated by goalkeepers. And for Czech, Peter Czech, for me, is yeah. one of the best we've ever seen in the Premier League. Like, you must have always felt secure knowing that yes. you have him behind you. Yes. We had that before as well, Porto with Vitor Baia. Yeah. So it was another one uh, coming for crosses. Um, you know, it's uh, it's massive for a, for a defender. It's massive because sometimes you might be uh, in a situation where you are with a player or with a striker or someone taller than you, and and the ball come to your area, and then suddenly just see the keeper coming and just you know catch the ball and feel like Phew. you know because maybe you could lose the, the challenge or. You know, it, it, it's really important, you know, like uh, to have a goalkeeper that can, you know, yeah. give you that uh, that security and, uh, you know, especially coming out for crosses and uh, and even inside of the goal with his, you know, height, it was uh, it was really 
fast as well, you know, going down on the you know, ground, whatever, it was unbelievable. Yeah. This might be a slightly controversial question, but it's a discussion I've had in the mm. past. Who are Chelsea's biggest rivals in terms of being a derby? Because you could say... That's a good question. Uh, yeah. Arsenal have had the trophy success when you first joined. Because I know... Spurs? Yeah, because I know Spurs and Arsenal, it's the big clash between North them. London. Yeah. Um, but we had all this... Uh, with Arsenal, Tottenham, even West Ham, it was tough ones as well. Because they're, they're saying now yeah. that Spurs are the biggest rivals in terms of just oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, London teams to Chelsea. And you think back the battle of the bridge, remember when Pochettino mm. and the draw, yeah. the two wall and all of that, but just was, added uh, to it. But it was the same with Arsenal. And uh, but I remember like going to West Ham as well and they just, just throwing bottles, you know, like bottles of uh, beer and whatever <laughs> to the couch when we were just arriving. So. I don't know, it's just maybe because we, we were Chelsea and uh, kind of like the, the rich, mm. you know what I mean, uh, part of, the, of London, uh, I don't know, but, uh, but my time there was always uh, tough playing against uh, Arsenal, Tottenham and, uh, and West Ham. They're special though, aren't they, London derby? No, they are, and, uh, and all is always good to play, you know, those games. Uh, not, not just because of probably the rivalry or uh, of or the history that of games playing against each other and um, but it's also like the, the the quality of the of the game and all the of the players as well. It's it's great, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. It's yeah. just was there any moment where we talked early on about how you would watch the Premier League, you would see how fast it was, the referees were were letting fouls go, which wouldn't have happened in the other parts as well. and the pitches and yeah, it's much better <laughs> yeah there's a lot happening yeah. at, at one time was there any moment where you thought wow okay this is English football was there a moment with, a, with an opponent who just went yeah we had for example Blackburn and Bolton we had those those two that they they were all these big fights who you who did you enjoy playing against in that sense who who made you feel welcome I don't know it was just uh, it was, you know, it was difficult in, because, especially playing there, at their home, uh, it was hard because they they start, punch, you know, like punching those long <laughs> balls and uh, and and we were playing good football at that time, you know, top players that we had and, uh, um, but we knew also how to fight. Mm. We knew when we had to how you call like the to to dress the how you call like in Portugal we have a different. Um, you know, when you're a mechanic, yes. when sometimes you have to put the mechanic... The overalls, yeah. ...just to go and... Uh, and we had to, you know, we knew how to do it. And sometimes, uh, you know, like, uh, we were scoring a goal and that's it, one nil. But th it was difficult for the, the opposition to, to, to score a goal to, you know, against us because we, we knew how to defend and we knew how to go and fight as well because we had players for that. Mm. Uh, you know, Ricky could, John as well, Willing Gallas, you know, even me that I wasn't like the physically kind of strong player, but if I had to go, I had to go, yeah. no problem. Then even Claude Makalele, you know, Lamps as well. We had players for that, you know, to fight, no problem. Even Didier, set pieces, you know, defensive set pieces, he was coming and just go for the... He played as a right back once, do you remember? And as a centre back as well, um, Didier Drogba. It's, yeah, he was just everywhere. Uh, yeah. With Makalele, 
that Makaleli position, when you're so good, you have a position named after yeah. you. I remember when he came here to Malaysia, I've done some work with him, just like, he's not the biggest guy and yeah. stuff. And I was like, you've changed, you've changed a lot. But strong. But strong. Strong, you know, like he was small. Yeah. But sometimes he knew how to use his body. He knew, he knew really well when to use like the leg and the arms to just to take you off or protect the ball. He was really good on that. And sometimes you feel thought, ah, it's a small one, I'll go. And he will, he will fail. It was like you're hitting a wall, you know, like uh, unbelievable, yeah. Who was it? I think Zidane was saying that they made a mistake selling him. Yeah. It's like, okay, he's not the headline grabber, he's not Zidane or Ronaldo, but yeah. he is that heartbeat of the Real Madrid side. Yeah. What a player. You know, playing that role, it was top. Yeah. Reading the game, uh, uh, he probably wasn't like the best in terms of like passing, like long passes or, or something like that, but he, he was doing the simple stuff there. Mm. You know, closing the spaces in, you know, in front of the of the back four, sometimes helping me as well in, in to not, you know, allow me, you know, to not let me like in one v one situations. Um, you know, sometimes giving the, you know, that pass line yeah. for the for the number ten behind him. He was just giving, and then when the ball was coming, he was just oh. anticipating and, and steal the ball and just. He was unbelievable. But if you see him running, he was always running right. You know, and um, and then he was he was also a leader. Mm. You know, and it was tough with uh, with some players, even with me or someone or Didier. You know, hard with Didier. Come on, you need to hold the balls. We have to control. You know, we need kind of to breathe a little bit to allow this to go and push a little bit up. When he had to say something, he had to say something. And even you could see how much the the French players. From the opposition, you know, like all, all other teams from the Premier League, they respect him. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just yeah, yeah. literally have a position named after you. Yeah. You know, you're that special. Uh, funny, when we're talking about Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs, and you mentioned William Gallas's name. Mm -hmm. uh, he obviously went to play for all those clubs. Um, interesting guy. He had him. We had him here in Malaysia, and I was like, your voice is really like William Gallas. Yeah. I was like, wow, you. Imagine that being scary on the pitch. Yeah, he was another one, top player. Yeah. Top player, could play centre-half, right-back, left-back, uh, top player. Top player as well. Speaking of top players, I have a theory that the, the best big game player that the Premier League has seen is Drogba. Because mm. in the big matches, we're talking cup finals here, he invariably scored. Like, his record at Wembley is phenomenal. Yeah. Or in cup finals, I think some of them were at the Millennium Stadium. Mm -hmm. So, but he, I... I cannot think of anybody else who's done it so consistently. And obviously Chelsea were competitive because they got to all these finals. And then obviously there's a Champions League success. Mm -hmm. I mean, can you name me a better big game player than Didier Rogba? No, it's true, you know, he was a player for those moments. Um, and you need those, those players, because sometimes you have top players that uh, when he came to these important games, or especially finals, uh, they kind of uh, hide a little bit. Mm. But uh, with him, it was not the case. You know, like, uh, he was there. And, um, and you could see how much he wanted as well. Uh, we had players, obviously, that they, they wanted to score. You know, you have Frank that he loved to score goals and, uh, and he would do anything that he could like to, to arrive in a box and score or have a chance to have a shot uh, outside. And um, obviously, Didier and then we had the wingers as well at the time, you know, that they, they, they could, uh, you know, for example, like the first season, uh, Duff. Damien Duff, uh, yeah. Alan Robin, they, they were also players, skillful players, but they want to, to score goals as well. Um, but he, he was that kind of player that he, he was very you know, complete because he was good technically, 
He was fast, mm. strong, you know, powerful, yeah. good in the air. You know, what he want more, he could shoot left foot, right foot. Um, and in those games, you know, I, I don't know. He just show up. Just it, show up, yeah. It's amazing to see what he's, what he's done. Yeah. I, I, I remember I interviewed him and we had had Michael Essien here. And he gets on very well, did he, Drogba? <laughs> he kept calling him on TV, he kept saying, my big-headed brother. And he meant that literally. So I'm sat there looking at Drogba, I'm like, wow, you have a really big dome. And I kept thinking of what Michael Essien was saying. I was just like, no wonder why you scored headers, because your, your head is, is quite a big target. No, it was, you know, like the timing. And, and you knew that, for me, you know, reaching those wide areas, you, you know, just put the ball in a box, because he, he's good in here. When yeah. you have a, you know, a striker. Like that, you know, like uh, just to put the ball there because you know that he can score. So, but uh, you know, what what a player, you know, fantastic player. Yeah. Speaking of goals, putting you on the spot here. Do you remember your? I know you didn't score many goals, but yeah. do you remember your first goal for Chelsea? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, it's called Chester, I think. Yes, correct. Just testing yeah. your memory. One of my 52 goals, I think. <laughs> 52. Is this include training? <laughs> Probably not even in training. <laughs> anyway, but uh, yeah, I remember. And, and it was another funny story uh, with Jose. Because normally, um, you know, regarding the team, whatever, um, offensive uh, set pieces, I was always in the back. So it was normally the two full backs staying, staying behind. Uh, but that game, you know, it just came to me and he said that Paulo, you know, tonight I want you to go on the attacking, you know, like uh, corners. I say, okay. Um, I want you to go to the penalty spot around that area there. Uh, I don't want you to go and fight for the first ball. Uh, I just want you to to make that move like a, a circular, a circular move movement, and you go to second post because I believe today you're going to score a goal, and that's it. And it happened. And it happened. So we 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 start losing one nil. I think was uh, was uh, I think was Ricky on, on goal. Yeah. And then we had our first corner, first corner I score. Uh, I remember like to do that kind of I spin to the second. I think was a corner to first post. There was like a, someone that kind of flick. Yeah. And the ball just come to me and I and I score. <laughs> just you know like obviously my first thing was to get the ball because we were losing one nil and mm. and I equalize and I just want to go like quickly for us to kind of uh, go uh, looking for the second goal. Uh, I think uh, we won 3-1 or something like that. Um, but uh, but obviously I would love to celebrate in a different way because it's my first goal. But, but for me it was just that kind of thing of um, where's the ball? Where's the ball? Yeah. Just let's go quickly. And I remember like Ricky just kind of uh, kind well of done. Premier, yeah. kind of uh, like you save me <laughs> because you scored one goal and then I scored equalizer. But was then got to my position and, and start thinking. I say, how he knew he was I was scoring a goal. You know, like <laughs> so like this guy, a special and, one. Yeah, but it was uh, was a funny one. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Uh, when you look back at the trophies you won, how special was it to get that first Premier League trophy? Not just for you, but for the club. That was their first in what 50, 50 years. Yeah, 50, yeah. It's amazing, years, yeah. and to time. do that, and you're a champion of England. How special amongst all the trophies you won was that first one? Yeah, you know, obviously because it's, 
you know, like uh, our first one. Um, uh, and, and because it, it was the way it was. Uh, we, we dominate that season. Mm. It was too easy for us. And I think we finished, I don't know, with how many points difference from um, the second. How many goals conceded? It was nothing. No, we, we, we still have the, the record, yeah. 15 goals. Which is, uh, <laughs> especially in Premier League. So, That's a so joke. Can, it's honestly yeah. a joke. Yes, it is. 15 goals in one season. So it's, uh, it's unbelievable. So, um, but that shows how, how good we were, you know, and uh, how strong as well. Um, but, and obviously it was, it was especially for us, uh, you know, because we, uh, we came, you know, like we came with the manager as well. Um, we had that extra pressure uh, to prove or show uh, to the others that uh, that's why we came with the manager, not because uh, you were like a good looking or this or whatever, mm. or you were the son of the, of the manager. Uh, you want us to, to come here uh, for a reason, so uh, because we were good and we could play here and we could help the, the team to, to win something and uh, so for us was even special because of that, you know, because we came with the manager, we have to prove or show why we came with them um, and win the league the way we won uh, was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah it's, it's can't believe it. It was really special. Goals. Yeah. 15 goals. Uh, it's something which I don't think will ever be beaten. I might be wrong, but... Maybe one day, who, who knows, but... Uh, no one's come close. So yeah. Nobody has come goals, close. It's, yeah, it's ridiculous, yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, speaking of managers there and proving yourself, you play with some big names, yeah. under some big names. Carlo Ancelotti, you're getting the double under him. Yeah. I mean, what is his strength? Because for me, it seems to be his human element, his human touch, the ability to, yes. to do yes. these small things. Uh, it, it is, you know, like, uh, obviously, as a player, you won important trophies, you won Champions League, you played top club as AC a Milan. Um, in the dressing room, you know, as a player, you know how how it is to be in this kind yeah. of um, situation environment, and in, in, in terms of you know big clubs as well. Um, but he was a, a fantastic person, you know, like a good character. Sometimes telling some jokes. Uh, I have one uh, one note too, quite interesting ones that. Uh, when we, we had a meeting that became quite long, normally have those meetings where, you know, maximum like 15 minutes, though, you know, that one was already 20 something minutes. It got a little bit longer than, mm. than normally, but you had to, you had to be. Um, and then we went for dinner uh, after the meeting and then he came to, to our table and he just, uh, just asked, you know, listen, guys, uh, what do you think about the meeting? Uh, do you think it was a bit too long this time? And, uh, and everyone said, no, no, boss, was okay. That was fine. And he said, you're lying. <laughs> he knew. <laughs> he knew. So, because normally after those 15 minutes, usually the player, they start losing the, the focus. Yeah. And, uh, so, and he said, you're lying. <laughs> so it was a, a funny one. And then we had another one playing Stoke City. Uh, we had like Rory Delap, you know, the, like the, the long throws, yeah. and uh, and it was really dangerous on on that. So, and I remember like we had the meeting, and he just um, asked the players, you know, what what do you think when you're just next to the to the box or something, if you want to clear the ball, uh, should you give a throw in or should you give a, a corner kick? Mm. 
you know, maybe maybe the corner kicks it will not be so accurate as as the, as his throw in because his throw was really you know was like a, a missile. Yeah, it was really flat and unbelievable. Yeah. So and, and it was always. All is dangerous, and um, and you make that question, you know, to us. It was a funny one as well, but uh, but fantastic person, really important uh, person as well, you know, like uh, for everyone, even with me because I was coming from um, from a crucial ligament, uh, you know, injury, um, and then I end up uh, having an opportunity, and uh, and I was quite important for him as well because at that time Bozingo and, and Ivanovic they got injured mm. and they, they stayed for a long time and uh, I had like a sequence of what ten games or something, and we won the the league and the and the double that season and uh, and you know like uh, was was fantastic. How do you deal with the competition for for players in your spot? I mean, you just mentioned two names there. Yes. Let's not forget people like SCN. Yes. Could deputise yeah. and others. Of course, Lasana played there as well, and this. But he, you know, is the way it is. Uh, when you play top clubs, you need all this to perform. Uh, obviously, I had up and downs, and uh, I had like the crucial league game. And I also that that season where you know Jose was hiding in. Uh, <laughs> we play. I missed the quarterfinals and uh, and the semis. Uh, when I broke my fifth medal tarsal as well in the national team, um, it was you know tough, difficult. Uh, you know, moments for for me, but um, but I never give up. You know, like I never throw the towel. Uh, I always believe in myself. It was easy for me just to to move, leave the club, and uh, and go to another place to to play. And I had really good clubs, good options to go uh, during that time. You know, uh, but um, but I always believe that uh, I could be important. Mm. I would have my chances, and uh, and I stay. You know, like. Um, and then every time I had my, my, my chances, I think I did quite well. Uh, I didn't let anyone down. Uh, well, there's a reason why Chelsea kept you there for so long, because they knew how, mm. how much you added to the team. Mm. I think it's safe to say. No, there were chances of, as, as well, like to go on loan, uh, but I didn't want, because I you know, was almost like last day of the, mm. of the transfer windows, uh, which I didn't like it, you know, like the way it was. Um, but uh, but I had options to go. Uh, but I always you know like believe in myself because it was easy for me just to okay, not playing, I'm going, I'm leaving. And sometimes he had some moments that he came to my to my mind. But I say no, you know like uh, I believe I still have the quality to play here, and I will stay. And um, and that's it. I will fight for for my place. Yeah. And that's it. And every time I had a chance, uh, you know, like uh, I think I not prove or, but I show that um, I was still um, capable to, you know, to play at at, at that level and uh, and do it well. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, when it came to Chelsea, for years it seemed like they would never get the Champions League. There was the yeah. Drogba incident. There was the uh, the Moscow game, of course. But you finally got it. But you didn't play in the final. You were on the bench. Yeah. You didn't play in the final. How do you view that as a as a trophy? Because I had Martin O'Neill in this yep. seat a week ago, and I don't know if you know his history, but he won back-to-back -back European Cups with Nottingham Forest. Mm -hmm. He didn't play the first one because of an injury and yep. etc. And he played the second one. Mm -hmm. And I think of what Keane and Skulls have said about missing out on '99 in the final. Yes. Not, not feeling like part of it because yeah. he didn't play I mean, it's in the hard, final. Yeah. It's it hard. is difficult, right? You know, for me, for example, in, in Moscow it was because then it was an option from the from the manager at that time. Uh, 
Avram Grant. Avram Grant, yeah. But he, he was honest with me. He called me to his office, um, to his office, to his room, uh, and uh, and he had a, you know like a, a very honest conversation with me. He said, Paul, you know, like uh, I will leave you out. You know, it's hard for me to to tell you this, but uh, uh, but we have you know Michael Essien who will play there, and then obviously I will have to bring Belletti because he's a good penalty taker in case of. We reach, you know, we go to penalties. Mm. So it's another one that can give me that uh, that choice as well. That option, yeah. Uh, and I say, okay, boss. You know, I respect. Uh, and that's it. it. Was hard because then, uh, obviously, you know, like um, we went to penalties and we lost on penalties. Didier was sent off as well. I remember, like, to to go to the tunnel. I left the stand to go to the tunnel to to support him as well. And we stayed there, you know, to to watch the penalties and it was painful. Uh, and then in Munich, um, uh, I had the chance to play. Uh, first, we had David Lewis and, and Gary Cale. They were both kind of so. I did the warm up as I did warm up with them mm -hmm. because uh, if someone, one of them, kind of felt something during the the warm up, I would be playing as a as a center as a center half. So I did the warm up, normal warm up with the with the start eleven. So I did with them, uh, and then. Uh, uh, in the extra time, uh, I was doing my warm-up. Uh, Robbie called me. Um, give Di me Matteo. Di Matteo. Yeah. So he was giving me instructions. So I was coming to replace Mata because Mata was already done. Mm. So he was really tired. Uh, he was giving me the last instructions. I was going to replace him, playing as a midfielder. Uh, as we were walking, so I was taking, I think, the beep already out. As we were walking, I, I looked to the clock, and it was five minutes left for the end of the game. I looked to Robbie, and I say, as much as I would love to go in and you know and, and be there, playing, be seen, you know, um, I look more for the team once again. Mm. You know, I've, I told Robbie, listen, it's five minutes left. Which it could happen for us to concede a goal, even last minute or whatever. But uh, but I look for the for the team side, uh, and I say, Robbie, you know, uh, Matt is a penalty taker. I'm not a penalty taker. You know, it's five minutes left, and then you look to the clock and look at me. Yeah, Paul, you're right. Okay, so let's go back. So we can't cancel the substitution, the substitution and, and that's it. But if I was a bit selfish, you know, like I would uh, I would go and. And play five minutes, you know, make you know be part of as well. But I look to more for the team. And then in the end, Mati missed the penalty. I want to kill him. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. And I told him, I said, Mati, you know, like I was supposed to replace you. Yeah. Then uh, and I didn't, I didn't, you know, want to go because you were penalty taken. And then look what you did, you know. But at least in the but end, we won. You won. We won. But uh, yeah, but that's the you know the the other thing which. Uh, it was hard because, you know, in one way I wanted to play, I want to be there. It's five minutes mm. anyway, but, uh, but you're there, so people can see you. Um, but, uh, but I look to the, to the other side. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. When did you know it was time to call it a day for yourself? You, you had quite a few injuries during your time, uh, as we know. Yeah, it was just crucial in the, in the fifth metal tarsal. Um, and that's it, nothing. Crucial is serious. Crucial, yeah. yeah. It uh, was hard, but, uh, but five months I was ready to play uh, and I didn't have nothing until now.
Wood, yes. Uh, which was good. It was a good recover, good operation. Um, so happy with that. Uh, but uh, but the plan was not to stop. So I spoke with Mendes, and the, the idea was to keep playing. Mm. Um, so we spoke, uh, and then obviously I was waiting, waiting. Um, I was keeping, you know, doing my my sessions just to keep fit. Um, but then uh, it came July, August, September, nothing, October, and then I just uh, yeah, I said like, listen, I think there's no point of keep waiting and uh, and I had to move on that that was the the hardest uh, part because as a player uh, when you feel and I felt that I was fine to keep playing but at the same time I, I understand maybe like the the Mendes situation where I wasn't playing much mm. 34 year old fullback which is a position where is not that position will uh, will make big difference in terms of games and uh, you know uh, and and probably as well you know financially as well to give me like probably like the my last contract or something um, so it's tough because uh, one thing is you when you felt that okay it's time to stop because your body you know kind of beats you and you have to move on and you and you start to prepare yourself other is you kind of prepare yourself for the next phase. Uh, of life. phase. Yeah. Or in my case was, you know, um, think the next club, where to go next and this, and, and be prepared for, for that. And, and you know, didn't happen, so it's, uh, it was hard. The next uh, couple of months, it was tough because you, you felt that I, I felt good to play. I could yeah. keep playing and, um, and it didn't happen, but you have to move on, that, it's the way it is. So that's that's what I did. And you ended up working again for Chelsea, though, didn't you? Yeah, then I start, I start doing my coaching levels um, because I had some people saying that uh, even even Roberto Di Matteo uh, on my last uh, uh, season, uh, he was telling me, Paul, start doing your coaching, uh, you know, levels, do it now. And I said, yes, Robbie, but it's difficult because you know, like training, games, travels. Uh, family as well, uh, so I think I, I would prefer maybe to do it when I when I stop, because then you just focus on one thing yeah. and, and, and you're not kind of worried with uh, with the other, with training, with games, flyings and hotels, whatever. Um, and that's that's what happened. So I start doing the coaching levels and then uh, just receive uh, yeah, the kind of this offer to to join at that time uh, Eddie Newton. Mm. That was Robert, uh, Roberto Di Matteo, you know, assistant when he won the Champions League, and was also like a Chelsea, you know, like a former player. He played in the academy and, and you know, top person. Uh, and he was on that department because then was when Chelsea built that loan department, and um, and he was kind of alone with twenty something players, which was tough for him. Yeah, it's a and, lot of uh, matches you have to watch. And because I was around the academy as well because of, of the coaching levels, and I use I was using the, the academy mm. for that. And I was around, and uh, and then he kind of invited me to go and for one of of his trips just to see how, you know, how how it worked, and and said that it was also like part as as if I became a manager or coach, uh, you know, like uh, it's also something that uh, you will use. So you'll be talking individually with a player. That in this case was a Chelsea player. You'll be talking with sporting directors if a manager or coach you will. 
you will have to talk with the video sporting director. Mm. So things that you said that you can relate it as well with that, uh, with the coaching, um, and could be quite interesting. So I went, I enjoy. It was quite nice. Uh, I mean, you and then in the future, and then they just, uh, uh, but it was different, you know, like because the the loan department is different. So you 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 became like more like a like a mentor mm. than than you know like that coach that you you work daily on the pitch and. So that one we we had like preseason with them, but then when when they're all gone and they find their, their clubs to, to to play, then you just start uh, traveling, go to clubs, talk with managers, with the players, with the. So then it's different. It's all about uh, traveling and watch games and reports and and that kind of support the player, it's push a lot them. A lot of traveling. Yeah, it was quite a lot. So, but it was really enjoyable. I enjoy a lot. It was quite nice to, you know, to see players returning to Chelsea. That was like our main goal. Uh, but as also, you know, see players moving on with their careers and uh, and appreciate what we we were doing for them. Yeah, so it was fantastic. Strange talk hearing you talk about this because I did some matches of him last year at Stamford Bridge. We had him out in Malaysia, Jody Morris. Yeah. He was sat there and we're talking about him, but obviously he was at the coaching level of the youth setup and mm -hmm. he was talking about seeing some of his players go out and, you know, your Tammy Abrahams and all of that and Mason Mount who stayed at the club. It's just fascinating to see the development of yeah. all of these players. Um, one final question for you. What about your international career? Do you mm -hmm. feel you could achieve all you could achieve there? Uh, I think it's something that, uh, uh, you know, like uh, you, you will miss. Mm. A trophy with the, with the national team. You know, fortunately, you know Portugal won an important trophy. That was the Euro. Yeah. And um, and I think they they really deserve. They've been so many years, you know, chasing for for one of these big competitions. And uh, and 2016 was uh, was the one. And I was really happy for them. Uh, and and in one way, you feel part of that as well for the years that you spent there. And and you were trying and uh, uh, and then obviously giving your kind of position for someone else for another generation that that uh, that is coming and, and to carry on with uh, with all the other generations they've been doing um, but I think it's something that uh, that uh, obviously I miss uh, not only me but all the others that mm. they, they became international or the ones that they've been there many years with the national team and they unfortunately they didn't manage to, to win important trophy um, but uh, but I can't complain you know I, uh, playing two Euros, playing two World Cups, uh, I think it's amazing. You know, uh, something that probably I will never imagine to, you know, to, to play and be s such a long time in the national team, having like 64 caps. Uh, uh, I can't complain, but um, but obviously a, a trophy would be great. You know, like uh, to add to yeah, the others course. that you that you. You know, like that. I was fortunate to. You had plenty, though. Know, let's yeah. be honest. I can't so, complain. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, ultimately, just the, you're wearing the colours of your country, yeah. and I'm sure your mum must have sat there at some point yeah. and thought, "I'm glad he chose football over studying because he's representing our country." Yeah. I'm sure she thought that at some point. No, maybe. you still have the goosebumps. You know, like um, every time. You know, obviously, as a player, you're there. You you're singing your national anthem and. Uh, and especially like home games, you know, like full stadium and everyone singing, and uh, you you have the goosebumps. And sometimes even at home, important games, yeah, uh, you feel that. Especially in this, you know, World Cup, I could I could feel it uh, because you just kind of 
thinking of putting your in, 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 in that, those players, you know, skin. So it's just, um, you know, it's, it's wonderful and just representing your, your country and uh, using that, uh, that shirt is uh, something special, yeah. Probably why you're wearing Portugal colours right now. Yeah. <laughs> On purpose. Thank you very much for the conversation, yeah, sir. Really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. And we hope you've enjoyed it as well. Paulo Ferreira in conversation, deep in conversation with him. We're hoping uh, to be back really soon with more episodes of League of Legends, so look out for it. All the best. <laughs>